Welcome to My First Concert. Dave Lee here with Brianne. Brianne, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Well, I'm excited about our guest here, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. We are on the Talk North Podcast Network, and you can download these podcasts anywhere you get all your podcasts. It could be Apple. It could be Spotify. You know all of those spots. So uh, we encourage you to subscribe, and we want to thank the folks at Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone, making all of this possible. I bring in an old friend. And uh, a rock and roller and, and a guy that's got a lot of great concert stories, been to a lot of different venues and played a lot of different music, uh, a broadcast journalist of note, the award-winning Steve Simpson. Uh, Stever, how are you? Good, Daver. How are you? <laughs> it's great, great to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, we were kidding because they used to call, Brianne, they used to call Steve Stever. And when I was at, at concert age... For some reason, once I got to college, I was the Daver. Don't wow, know why. Wow, how clever. So we got, you got Steve <laughs> and the Daver here today. And Steve, what's interesting, is not only with all of your experience, and you've been to a lot of Broadway, a lot of rock and roll, a lot of different venues, but at one time before you became a, a, a news journalist, a broadcast journalist, you were uh, spinning the discs at an oldie station, weren't you? I was. That was probably in my DJ career, if you will. That was probably the, the longest I spent at a format. I was here for about five or six years in Indianapolis. It was a really good radio station. And, of course, all of the music, I was in my late 20s, early 30s at that time. All of this music was before I was around or in my very early yeah. memories of it. You know, it was like 50, because oldies at that time were, you know, 55 to about 73 or 74. Um, and so, but but what, I, what it gave me the opportunity to do was interview and just be around a lot of these folks we'd bring in for concerts. Mm -hmm. And after your invite to me, I started thinking about all of those folks that we had just at those oldies concerts and my one-on-one -on -one conversations I had with these people. And it was pretty cool, like to the point where I was thinking, I might want to start writing some of this stuff down because yes. I'm going to forget it because I forgot until I started, like sat down and thought about all of these groups we had because we had these, these oldies concerts where we had three or four groups together, right? And they, you know, just switch out and and man, it's it, it's just been fun to think about over the last couple of days. So well, I'm convinced this is therapeutic in, yeah. in, in a good way. Uh, but let me go back to the title of the show. Obviously, your first concert. Do you remember what it was? Who it was? Yeah, it's so lame now, looking back <laughs> on it, because I was nine years old. But I remember wow. this. I was I, and I was taken with my my friend's parents. Took us to. I grew up outside of Philadelphia took us to the Valley Forge Music Fair. It was a theater in the round, and we saw the Carpenters. <laughs> I know, it's lame. <laughs> but, but now that I look back on it, it's kind of cool because it's like, you know, she died a few years after that. Yes. And, and they were iconic. I mean, at the time, they were huge. This was right at the height of their Oh, thing, they were big. You know? Bigger than big. Yeah. And, um, and I was a kid, and I think they were the first people that I remember seeing that I – that I thought were celebrities, right? You yeah. Know, and I was there. And so as a kid, it was cool to be there. So that that really was the first concert I, I saw. Oh, yeah. And then my first real concert, the one that I fess up to if somebody asks me this. <laughs> yeah, this is just between us. Right, yeah. right. The, yeah. the, the concert that, that, that was actually, this is actually really cool. I was in high school, Bruce Springsteen, at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. And what do you remember about it? Do you remember who you went with? Yeah, I went with... Um, my friend Donna Andre and a, a girl named Ruth, and I can't remember her last name, and my friend Mike. It was the four of us. See, you, we remember these things. Totally. Don't we? And they were bigger fans of Springsteen at the time when I, that I was. I was still a big fan because, again, growing up in Philadelphia, Springsteen's from Jersey. That's your soundtrack. Like, that's when you go to the Jersey Shore, that's the music, you, you know, Springsteen is it, right? Mm -hmm. So I had that 
obvious connection to it, but then getting there and all of the talk I heard about, wait till you see this concert, it's all energy from start to finish and he plays for four hours or whatever it was and it was all true. Like sometimes you get into concerts like that and you th- and it's like, ooh, is this going to live up to the hype? Because the hype yeah. was huge when I went to this. Yeah. And it lived up to the hype, I got to say. It was, I walked out of there just like shaking my head like, wow, that was, that was cool. You know that's a good show when that happens because even in Broadway productions, which you and I are both fans of, you I I always hope I see a show before I Me read too. too much about it because then yeah. I'm just expecting everything and it, it's rarely does it seem to live up to what you yeah anticipated to absolutely do. and so yeah that was high school that was I think I was a probably a senior maybe a junior in high school but a senior and that was also a big deal because all four of us went to Philadelphia I lived in the suburbs so that was like a thing to go down it was like the first concert that we went to as kids mm-hmm. um, that our parents didn't have to be <laughs> be with us you know what I mean so that it was a it was an event. And um, so that's my first vivid memory of that type of a concert. Yeah. And you, and you remember who you went with, which is oh, the yeah. cool part. Yep. Do you remember any of the songs? I remember Thunder Road as being like the one that, I, that just stuck with me. And, and, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I heard it on an album before. But, but there was something about it that in concert, in real life, seeing it was just amazing and kind of that experience that you get at concerts yep. sometimes where it's like, Oh my, that's the song that I heard. And now I'm seeing it live it, and he's singing it. And, and it was just hard to describe, but that was one of those aha moments for me. Yeah. So now when you hear Thunder Road, that's it, it takes, takes you me back. right back to that, to that seat at the spectrum in Philadelphia that isn't even there anymore. You know, they no. knocked it down, but the coolest thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The, uh, yeah, I just saw the spectrum on the Showtime series. Uh, me too. Or, yeah. Me too, and uh, winning time, right? Winning time yep. with on the Lakers, yeah. And they're playing the 76ers at yep. the Spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about these first concerts, and then, Steve, it leads me to think about a big concert. Sometimes we were invited to a concert, or there's a huge concert in town, and we did, yeah, I don't know if we're going to go. You had one of those moments. Can you tell us about that? As in college, Syracuse <laughs> University. Yeah, I get the feeling he doesn't want to tell us, Brianne, but he's going to. Well, it was all made good later in my life, but at the time, and you know, <laughs> so my roommate at the time, he uh, he says, "Hey, a few of us are going to get tickets to see uh, uh, Prince. He's playing the Carrier Dome in Syracuse." And um, and at that time, I had just gotten a job um, working like overnight Saturday and or Friday and Saturday nights at a quote unquote real radio station Been in there, Syracuse. Done that? Did you? Was that while you were a student? Yeah, I went oh, to school wow. for so so I got this and you know, I I don't think I think I was like taking a cab out there so whatever money I was making at the radio station I was paying the cab driver at the time. So I wasn't <laughs> making anything. It was not Right, but, but it, it was the experience. But I told yeah. him, I said, "Oh, no, what day is it? It's a Friday night." Oh, oh no, I can't go. I've got to do radio. And I'm working like <laughs> midnight to 6 on an AM radio station yeah. that even then I was like, you know, nobody's paying attention to me. But but doggone it there I was and uh, I missed it. And, uh, of course, years later, you know, uh, it wasn't even years later. It was maybe a year later I looked back on that and thought, what, what am I doing? <laughs> what, what was I? I could have taken the night off. <laughs> you could have. Take the night you off. What am I doing? Yeah. But um, the good news is, years later, I was covering the Indianapolis Colts. I was living in Indianapolis, and the Colts got to the Super Bowl. Oh, sure. And the Super Bowl was in uh, Miami, and they were playing uh, the Chicago Bears – and I don't know if you heard, but Prince played the halftime concert at the Super Bowl, and I was there. So 
Check. <laughs> Did you go to the press conference too then? I went to the press conference, which was one of the coolest experiences, honestly, of my life. So we're, we're at the press conference and, and it was, I think Billy Joel played the national anthem or whatever beforehand. Whatever. So they have these press conference. It was at the Miami um, Civic Center or whatever. And they bring him out. So Billy Joel's there. He's talking. We're asking just these regular questions that dopey media people ask at these things. <laughs> and um, But they had like a curtain behind him and there was like something going on behind the curtain. And we were like, I wonder what's happening back there. And I, I remember being with a guy from WBBM in Chicago. We're both standing there. And I'm like, do you think Prince is going to play or do something here? And he's like, I don't know. There's something weird going on back there. So anyway, Billy Joel gets up and leaves. And um, next thing you know, they take the, the curtains down. And sure enough, there's like a drum kit there. And it's like, well, something's happening. And we waited and waited and waited. Nothing. So finally, they came out and introduced Prince, who walked out with his background singers and whatever, and uh, with his guitar. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to play. So I, uh, I ran to the front, and I had a blue, a blue uh, no, Blackberry. And a Blackberry phone cash. at the time. Deep track. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, and so I got down, friend. I said, I'm going to shoot some video on my Blackberry. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so, great quality. So, oh, my. Yeah. It looks like the Sapruder film. <laughs> um, honestly, it's, it's... In a file, you can't even get off terrible. your phone. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. But anyway, so sure enough, he comes out and he plays like three or four songs, which you can now find on YouTube. And I'm standing, like, from me almost to you. I mean, we're just a few feet from him, and I'm watching Prince. Now, this is a big deal for me. I mean, this is a big deal for me because I was – he was in my wheelhouse. When I was in college, man, he was it. And and um, to see him that close and to see him just do this, and then he, he left, and it was awesome. And then I thought, well, that was cool enough. And then when he played what became the greatest halftime show in the history of all halftime shows, and I was there for that with the rain, it was – remarkable it was so, karma it was and so i i made up for missing that concert in the early 80s whatever <laughs> year that was when i missed that one but when you're in a, like a press conference i mean granted oh. super bowl there's a lot of people but it's still kind of oh, private right totally yes yeah. it's very it was very intimate you know and again i i just barged my way right to the front and knelt down and i still have the the video which is just hilarious because it's it honestly it looks like the Sapruder film i mean it's grainy and it's weird and the sound <laughs> is awful but 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 it's mine it's and yours i shot it and i know that i was there that's the proof that i was there you know so yeah, yeah it was really cool that's the reason he stayed in audio then went to radio full-time <laughs> said I, i'm not gonna make it as a camera guy exactly here. exactly right yeah well prince too yeah uh big show there then when you were at syracuse you had some other ones you went to man well that was the thing because um you know like so many of us We'd have to sleep out for tickets, yep. you know, and there were lines outside of the, the carrier dome, like I said, and, and sometimes it was in the wintertime or sometimes it was in the early spring when it was wet or windy or whatever. Sometimes if they felt sorry for us, they'd move us inside to the concourse inside the, the dome, but some, you know, not often, a couple of days, you know, some, some people would stay, sit outside for a couple of days. So I had some amazing, I mean, I saw some amazing concerts, you know, uh, David Bowie, Duran Duran. Oh, I never saw them. David Bowie. David I wish Bowie I had. was unbelievable. He was so talented. I mean, he was in a business mind. and He had like three incarnations, and this was the Modern Love China Girl yeah. tour, right? So, And this was when he was dressing sharp. And the thing I remember about that concert was he had like two or three, maybe more, wardrobe changes. And that's not something you saw with men. No. You know, like Cher. Like I saw Cher, and Cher, that's a thing. You know, you change costume several times but he'd walk off stage and then come back with a different suit on and it was 
oh wow, he just had a wardrobe. And it was it was really cool. And he was so fashion forward, you know. He was always really sharp. He not unlike Prince, I would suggest, had a real impact on not only clothing, but also the way in which people are allowed to wear clothing. Like even during his Ziggy Stardust days with that kind of androgynous look that he had that was kind of embraced by so many people, not that they would necessarily wear it for themselves, but there was kind of an open mind that took place with- But they thought it was cool. That it, it became cool, right? And so getting dressed up in that like nice fitting suit, that was cool and it was sharp and he was up there. And again, that's what he wore on the video, you know, the modern lover, China girl, maybe both of them. But, um, but yeah, so like Prince, he was kind of like that. He kind of, he, he kind of um, uh, had a real impact on fashion. I'd say for sure Prince and David Bowie are kind of more pinnacles of the, of exactly what you said. But I read, read in an article recently that the 80s was a very interesting time because art, music, and all other kinds of influence as far as art, you know, it, how it goes into other, other spheres, really worked together to create kind of a theme. And that's what, or more so of a, a almost like a color palette and just an overall kind of arching it, 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 they said it hasn't happened since or before, and it was kind of all the mechanisms worked together in concert to really create kind of just a, a decade unlike any other. I think that's fascinating. I'd never thought of it in that way, but you're absolutely right. I think, that's, I think that is spot on. I think that was the difference. You know, a lot of people like to bust in the 80s, whatever. Everybody busts on whatever decade that they don't necessarily represent or were a part of, you know. Yes, very uh, much so. The 60s, ah, <laughs> the 60s, ah, long hair, you know, whatever. So everybody has that. But but I think that's true. I, I, and Prince was certainly a pinnacle of that, no question about it. And like I said, I think David Bowie was. You too. know who else I think about, too, maybe not at that level, but who was kind of like the Robert Palmer. Yes. Yes. I think it's absolutely true. Yep, that's another good one. Duran Duran, how was that? That's actually great. They opened for, for David Bowie. What a show. Yeah. They opened for David Bowie. It was great. Had they done the Bond song at that point? No, they hadn't. No, no. It was it was right at the beginning. That was kind yeah. of their, their height. Right you know, when they're starting, yeah. Hungry. Um, I saw uh, I saw at the Onondaga County War Memorial Culture Club in the '80s, which again that whole kind of art fashion thing that we were just talking about. Now you've got me on that. You're, I'm, I'm driving down that road and I'm thinking about all those co- types of groups. It makes sense, doesn't it? It totally does, yeah. How good were they? I mean, I, I'm guessing that was, you know a good sound. It was a good sound. Was that was a really good sound. That was Motown. If you, th- if you listen to Culture Club, that was, that was Motown, man. That was Motown influenced. That was, that was kind of funky and kind of... Um, you know, a little R&B in there. Soulful. It was fresh. Very soul, soulful. Um, and you know who opened for them was uh, Jay Giles Band, who was this little-known band from uh, Boston at the time. And, yeah, they opened for Culture Club. Jay Giles at, Band. Uh, at the Onondaga County War Memorial. And, again, this was, what, early 80s. This was, like, 81, 82. And uh, at the height of Culture Club, and Jay Giles was just – Starting, I think they had the one out, the, the one song out, which was I think Centerfold was their first one. Or Centerfold, yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah, whatever it was, which, whichever one it was, it was one or the other. But well, you talk about those opening acts. Who did we say Taylor Swift opened for before we knew who Taylor Swift was? Rascal Flatts. Rascal Flatts. Yeah. She was out there opening and doing a short set, and was kind of going, yeah, for sure. Hey, wait a minute, she's pretty good. If you took the time to go see the opening act, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of, of some others. There, there were, oh, the police were great in concert. Never seen them in concert. Yeah, they were great. Um, saw them again. At the, so many of these were at the Caridome just because that's where I was living and 
going to school and whatever. And I was that's, there for a football game one that's time. That's where, yeah, yeah. Played football and basketball in there and, and uh, concerts. So one time I was going to my disc jockey job. This was actually the disc jockey job in the bar that I had. And I walked there to what is Marshall Street in Syracuse. Um, and my dorm was right next to the Carrier Dome. And I'm, I, I'm walking down the street with my arm full of records that I was going to play in the bar that night. And uh, this woman was standing on the corner, and there was a concert going on in, uh, in the Carrier Dome, and uh, it was Van Halen was playing in the Carrier Dome. And uh, so I'm standing there, and it was kind of snowy a little bit, and this woman was standing there, and she looked a little bit out of place, and like she didn't know. So I kind of looked, and I said, hi, and she said, hi, and I started walking across the street, and I turned around, and I went back, and I said, you're Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> and she looked at me, and of course, what do you say? She says, yes, I am. I said, why are you standing in the snow? <laughs> And she says, I'm waiting for my husband who's playing over there. I said, I know, but you could probably get inside. (laughs) And she laughed and said, I actually don't mind it. I don't see snow that much. And I said, okay, well, it's really nice to meet you. And off I went. So, yes, that was one of those, (laughs) wait a minute, I think I know who she is. So, yeah, Valerie Bertinelli waiting waiting for her husband, then husband at the time. to. And, Brianne, what I'm thinking about is I'm picturing this guy carrying his LPs, his albums, the pride of his life, because when you're a college student, it's like you had certain things that were valuable. Albums were like, if you know, oh, yeah. there's a fire, save the albums. But it wasn't, you weren't walking down with digital downloads. No. So it was a task. Yeah. No, I had my whole armful of albums that I was going to go play in the bar that I worked at that night. And <laughs> had all these 12-inch discs, you know, these dance remixes and stuff. And they were all mine. God forbid somebody scratched those with oh, a bad needle. Yeah, that is not good. That would not be good. When did you change your stylus? You're not going to listen to these until <laughs> you get a new stylus. Exactly. Hey, I want to thank the folks at Propane for bringing this show with us. More with Steve and Brianne here in just a minute. This is the Environmentally Friendly Energy for everyone. And we're all well aware of reducing carbon emissions right now. It's a good thing. I'm not sure we all know how we reduce those emissions and yet meet the increasing energy needs we have in this world. So propane is something for you to think about. This is an excellent way to reduce emissions and yet meet the energy needs that we have today. So propane, if you don't know a lot about it, it's a clean, non-toxic energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions right now. We've talked about propane's carbon intensity score on this podcast before, and you're saying, well, I don't know what that is. But even if you don't know, listen to the numbers. This kind of gives you an idea how clean it is. Propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. Grid electricity, which you know about in Minnesota, including wind and solar, which you're well aware about has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. So you probably didn't know. Who knew that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity? And then you have this abundance of propane, which is great. And the growth of renewable propane means we have generations yet to come that should be able to use this. So millions of Americans rely on propane to heat their homes and businesses right now. Fuel vehicles, on-road, and yes, off-road, much more. It all makes propane the right energy right now. So I'd find out more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going to propane.com. Steve Simpson is our guest. He's a broadcast award-winning broadcast journalist and, of course, a fellow music hound here as well with some great stories through the years. Uh, Brianne is with us as always, a producer of this podcast. And uh, Steve, we talk about a lot of the, the bands and the art concerts, but I do want to ask you, I want to go back to your oldies days and some of those bands. Among some of the people that you had a chance to interview and meet. My gosh, I was thinking about this over the last couple of days. Um, John Sebastian and the Love and Spoonful, Little Anthony and the Imperials, Lou Christie, Bobby V, the Vogues, 
um, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Oh, I used to have a crush on her. Mary, oh, here's a funny story about her. So uh, we're, we're doing one of these concerts, and she and the Vandellas were there. And um, my sister, for some reason, she went to the Art Institute of Chicago, and she came down to visit in Indianapolis that weekend when we were having this concert. I don't know if it was for the concert or whatever, but um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a disc jockey with the, uh, with the radio station, so we're kind of, quote-unquote, backstage and just kind of hanging out waiting for the show to start. And all of a sudden, a door opens in one of the dressing rooms, and um, this woman says, can somebody help me? And my sister looks and says, yeah, what do you need? And kind of walks toward her and has this conversation with Martha Reeves. And <laughs> my sister comes back and says, I've got to go buy Martha Reeves pantyhose. <laughs> Martha Reeves got a runner in her pantyhose. Oh, no. And so literally, my sister said, give me your keys. I, yeah, there you go. And she went to the CVS in Broad Ripple and bought her, <laughs> bought her a pair of pantyhose. So, of course, anytime from that point forward, anytime she and I, my sister and I have ever been together, and Martha Reeves is on the radio or whatever, oh. the, the story is, hey, remember that time I bought Martha Reeves pantyhose? In of course, Broad Ripple. In Broad Ripple, Indianapolis, <laughs> right? So, yeah. It, Sounds like what happened to the pantyhose, Broad Ripple. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I, I, I had a chance to, and, and that was a cool thing about that, because when I was a disc jockey and we brought these groups in, we could, like, be at rehearsal and just hang out with them. We could go backstage. And I was of an age where I wasn't... Um, I wasn't like a fanboy about it, like I, I, because it wasn't my music per se. Like I was playing it, but it, I like I was once removed from it. Yeah. So I wasn't starstruck by it, but I was fascinated by it. So that that helped me to be able to have these conversations with them and not be intimidated. I remember sitting um, after one of our shows with Jay Trainer of Jay and the Americans, or it was one of the Jays because they had a couple of Jays. I think it was Jay Trainer, but John Sebastian of the Love and Spoonful. We sat at a bar at a table about this size, maybe five or six of us, and a couple of us disc jockeys, and we were just throwing questions. Well, what was it like doing this? And what was it like doing that? And they would just, they just talked. You know, we just had a conversation. Yeah. It, was, it was not on the radio. It was just for me, you know? And I had so many opportunities to do that stuff. I was talking to Little Anthony. I talked to him, Little Anthony oh, and the Imperials. and Rock history. Just, yeah. I mean, and, and again, so many times when... You know, one of these people unfortunately pass away or whatever, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. And it's like, oh, yeah, I met them. I remember that, you know, and it's just it was a really cool experience. Again, it wasn't, quote unquote, my music, but I was enough of a, a fan of the music and enough of kind of a historian, if you will. I, I got it that um, I, I, just some really, really great Great memories. Freddie Boom Boom Cannon oh, was, was wow, one. You know, Freddie Palisades Park, sure. a song that was written by Chuck Barris of The Gong Show. Uh, he wrote that song, so I talked to him about that. Hey, what was Chuck Barrett? How did you get that song? You know, um, yeah, it was. It was just. It was just a fascinating time in my life. Again, I was a kid. I was in my late twenties. You know, playing these songs that that preceded me by twenty years. But um, but I had so many opportunities to meet. You know, some really really interesting people. Uh, the Mamas and Papas. Um, now, Michelle Phillips wasn't touring with them, but Mackenzie was. Papa John's. Um, daughter, of course, who I knew from the sitcom One, one day, at day at a Time. time sure. And uh, so they were there, and um, I had an opportunity to ask John Phillips. And again, that was like, to me, that was legendary. Like, oh, my yeah. parents had his album. Like, I, I saw him with his silly hat on that he always wore, you know. <laughs> and, um, and I had heard a story about um, the song, I Saw Her Again Last Night. And in that song... Great song. It's fantastic. It's my favorite mom and papa song. In that song... They stop and start again. I saw her. 
I saw her again, and I had heard that that was a mistake, and they left it in. So I got a chance to ask him to his face, hey, I got to ask you about, I saw her again last night. And he said, it was a mistake. <laughs> and I said, good, so I can go with it. He said, yeah, that was a mistake. He said, I get asked that a lot, especially by, I, he didn't say nerds, but something along the lines of like music He made nerds. it nice. He made, he made it, it nice. nice. But yeah, so I was, uh, that was cool. I was at literally able to ask him that question because it is one of my favorite, you know, mamas, it is my favorite mamas and papas song. And, um, and to have him tell that story, you know, it was, it was cool that the, it was a mistake and they just kept rolling with it. And when they got done, the producer's like, hey, that sounded pretty cool. And they said, let's just keep it in. You mentioned John Sebastian. It made me think I read Mick Fleetwood's book um, from Fleetwood Mac, which I really enjoyed reading. But he talked about a concert. I think this was in his book. He talked about a concert for all the other rock and rollers. I think they were in Ireland, like in a castle or some. For some reason, they were all together. Maybe it was an award show. But they had booked John Sebastian and the Love and Spoonful to come in and entertain the entertainers. Oh, can wow. you imagine that pressure? Yeah, so you're, going to, you're going over to this. You know, well, the British rock and roll was the thing, right? So Mick Fleetwood is there, and they said they booked John Sebastian. Everybody, if I remember the book right, I don't have it with me, uh, but I have it at home. But he said. Um, you know, John Sebastian performing for this group, we're all thinking, eh. and he said he got done, and we're all shaking our heads, going, "Wow, really? How good were they? I mean, like really super talented. They had no clue." Yep. And I have to go back and reread that again. And but um, so you, you talked to John Sebastian, who uh, who's kind of saw it all in rock and roll. And that was kind of the fun part again during that oldies time in my life was that it seemed like everybody you talked to. There were so many tentacles of the music of that day. If they weren't at Woodstock, they were invited to it, or they knew somebody who was there, or there was some connection. You know what I mean? Like, it was that sort of thing. Um, they were all in it together. It seems like at that time, you know, given perhaps where the country was or whatever, but there just seemed to be those rock and roll groups, they all had some sort of a connection somehow. Yeah. And they could tell fantastic stories about, oh, you remember that time when we were with so-and-so and this happened and we were playing a concert with this group and, you know, whatever. And that's what was, that's what was uh, just so fun and interesting to me as a, like I said, as a kid who was playing this music that, that preceded me by 15 or 20 years. Yeah. But it was, it was really good. You know, who's a really interesting um, student of music that I, that I realized after I saw him on that um, Bob Costas, had his late night show years ago on NBC, which I used to love. John Bon Jovi is really, really a student of oldies and music. I in did general. not know that. Well, I had a chance. I actually introduced him in Syracuse for the concert. For the concert. Oh my! That's when I was a rock and roll disc jockey for a brief time. I, I were, you, were you allowed to say much, ladies and gentlemen? John Bon Jovi. Yeah, it was like <laughs> put your hands together. You know, it was that. It was that Give typical thing. Yeah. Um, and it was during their slippery, uh, when wet, when the slippery, it was, they right at the height of they their, were red hot. you know, they were huge. Still are. And we had a, um, uh, a listener meet and greet backstage and had a chance to meet the entire band, Richie Sambor and everybody. And what I was struck by when I met them, and again, it was a brief five minute conversation at that was just how down to earth they were and how they, you know, cause I've met some that are kind of like, you know, get out of my way. I'm, oh, you're yeah. bothering me, you know. No doubt. That was not the case with these with these guys. I, I was struck by that, and I remember that to this day. But um, but what I regret was, after seeing him on Costas's show, how I wish I would have known that about him when I met him, because I would have loved to have picked his brain about 
his influences on me, you know, because I realized, wow, he really knows his music. He really knows the history. He understands who influenced whom and what influenced him. And I, I just thought it was a terrific interview. And I, like I said, I, my regret was I didn't have that opportunity to sit down like I did with some of these others and, you know, just pick his brain, oh, you know. Just to give me, you know, give me 10, 15 minutes yeah. and we'll be buddies. I'll just. Exactly. Um, I remember, uh, well, John Bon Jovi made me think about this. So after I'd get off my shift, I'd go work out about 9.30 in the morning at this club at the Grand Hotel. It was a, a lifetime fitness at the time. I think it's switched ownership now. Yep. But I'd go over there and, and get a little workout in. Not, nothing impressive, just to keep the ticker going, basically. And, and uh, I'm working out upstairs. It's just me. Nobody else there. And who comes up? And I, I didn't even dawn on me that they were in town for two shows. I look in the mirror and I see this guy, a little guy with a hat on and he's kind of keeping his head down. I'm like the only guy in there and there's 8,000 machines, you know, and he's kind of looking around and it's John Bon Jovi. So I ended up chatting with him briefly, you know, showing him how to lift heavy weights. Yeah, sure. This is how, I, show him how, this he... is how I squat 14,000 pounds right here. <laughs> yeah, so it might have been 20, yeah. but you know. Well, 14,000, 20. <laughs> 20, what the heck? It's in the ballpark. But he, so he was there, Zambora was there and... um the other band member, whose name I who I, who I can never remember but either, they were they're working out, and uh, they like to go. Apparently, at, well, first of all, I was impressed. You know, they did a concert the night before. They're all up at that time. Yeah. You know, working out and staying in shape. Obviously, taking care of themselves. And one of my friends over there that that ran things over there, I said, "You're not gonna believe what I bumped into and talked a little." We had a brief conversation with a, with two out of with him and Sambora. They were very nice, yeah. and very cordial. But um, he said. They are great people to work with. He said, Bon Jovi is, kind of takes that care right? of business. And yep. he watches everything, and they said, but they like to go into the club and work out, but they kind of like to be there when no one is around. Yeah. And then, you know, then they, I'm sure they're checking to see if, you know, like a camera phone, like, you know, like I'm going to start filming. But, you know, I'm sure people say, oh, there's Bon Jovi, going to oh, film yeah. his workout. They don't need, they don't want that. And it's really sad with him now because, you know, they tried to go on tour here recently, and they're just getting torched by the critics and he, his voice is just shot and it's, and it's too bad. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's sad. And he even knows it. Apparently there was a, a quote recently that I just read over the last week or so that he said, I'm just, I just can't do it anymore. Well, he's been screaming for 30 years, you know, it just happens. Right. So, uh, but back in the day, man, he was, they were a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, they were a thing. Well, all I know is they couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. Me he too. Could not have been nicer people. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of a fun part. You, the other one you mentioned, and you made me think of, of um, and I'm thinking this happened at the Grand Hotel as well. So I walk outside after my shift, and Steve and I worked together, Brianne, for a number of years. And um, I don't know where it was, but it was probably 10, 10.30 in the morning. And uh, Jack White is standing against the wall waiting for a ride. And I was at the Twins game the night before the baseball game, and it wasn't his team is Detroit, but it was somebody else, but he likes baseball, so Jack was at the game. I sat real close to him. I didn't Obviously, I didn't bother him. I don't know who knew who he was or not. But then I saw him, and I saw him, hey, I said, how would you like the game last night? Oh, you were there? I said, yeah. I said, where are we sitting? Why didn't you come over? <laughs> I'm thinking, I would have. And you wouldn't have exactly. gotten rid of me. I'd been like a bad cold, man. You wouldn't have gotten rid of me. Right. But, but – I, you made me think of it because you talk about the thing. I wish I'd asked him like you wish you would ask Bon Jovi, and that was his relationship with Dylan. I, oh, I, yeah. I had wished that we had because we had a, it was really it was a quick conversation. I suppose ten fifteen minutes, and then his ride came. Nicest guy in the world, and I and we talked some baseball and, and Detroit things. But I wish 
I had talked to him about he's got one of those relationships with Bob Dylan. I don't know how many people have a relationship like he does. And I really wanted to get into the, you know, with some Dylan stuff because he's a Minnesotan. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, anyway, so it, it, that's those are great moments that, that are big to us. But right. you wonder if, the, you know, think Jack White remembers talking to me or Bon Jovi remembers talking? No, nah, I don't think so. Right. But to us, it's it's part of uh, our maturation growing up. Absolutely. And, and you know, you could... It's something you'll always, I'll always remember is these times when I've been able to sit down and talk to these people. And I also don't remember the ones that perhaps didn't have time for me, right? It's the people that had time for me that I, that I remember. And I learned so much from so many of these people that I had this opportunity. And again, I don't, you know, I just lucked into this. I, I have nothing to do with any of this. This was just my job and it just was really cool for me for for many years. Um, you, you just brought up one thing, you know, I didn't talk about all of the big acts that, you know, we've all seen the, the Rolling Stones and, and I saw Paul McCartney and, you know, over the years, whatever, but so many of these acts that we would have as these oldies acts, they had connections to these large acts too, you know, Oh, we were touring with the Rolling Stones or, you know, whatever. Or I remember when I, I saw Mick, ja uh, Mick Jagger at so-and-so or McCartney and I were da da da, you know, and, and they weren't dropping names. They literally were just ex telling their story, right? It was just, and, and you realize that, okay, even though I'm sitting with this guy who wasn't as big as the Rolling Stones, he's got connections to all of these groups that everybody knows. And once you play a song or two from these people, everybody knows these songs too. Um, they're a part of so many people's. The other, I just have to say, and I know Eric Eskola mentioned his first concert was Elton John, I think he, he said the other day on, on your podcast. I've seen Elton John three times and truly one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Oh, I believe it. Just fantastic. Yes. Just well, absolutely I, fantastic. I talked to Jack Larson um, on this podcast, and we Jack is responsible for the acts over at the Excel Energy Center. You know, he, helps, yep. he obviously runs the place, but he was, had been booking backs for many, many, many years before he was even there. And I told him, I said, I've seen Elton John several times. I said, I thought this last tour, this final tour, I said, was it, it's been my favorite. I said, I, I thought this was one of his best. And I don't think I was expecting one of his best. Yeah, because normally that doesn't happen, right? That's Bingo. not the trajectory of, no. of acts. And that's <laughs> no. fine. I mean, that happens to the best of us, right? Um, but no, I, I, uh, I saw him, the last time I saw him was at Caesars Palace um, when he was doing his residency there. So that was a pretty... Fairly small venue, right? And, and great sound, I can just imagine. Just great sound. But the coolest time I saw him was it was a fundraiser for the Ryan White Foundation. In Indianapolis. In Indianapolis. This was about oh, yeah, he 10 had, or 12 years ago. He, he was, was very close, wasn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Bought, bought Jeannie a house, um, you know, after they had to move and so on and so forth. So it was, and in fact, he credits Ryan White with getting him sober. Um, wow. Because he says without Ryan White, he would not have gotten sober. Um, of course, the the first child we knew of that had AIDS, and it, it was a huge story. But about 10, 12 years ago, I went to this. Con what was cool about it was it was just him on stage. There was nobody else. And he had this kind of thing that he worked. His, his feet worked this box that was like playing like kind of background stuff, but it was him playing his piano, and he would just he just did a concert. And then Judith Light would come out, who played Jeannie Grinder on the uh, – yeah, on on the um, miniseries or whatever, and Phil Donahue was there, and you know all of these people that were connected to Ryan White. But what I what I loved about that, and what I remember about that, was unlike the other two times I saw him in a big, you know, in a in a venue, this was such a personal thing, because he was singing about this kid that he loved and that he 
credits with getting him sober and his life changed. And you could tell there was an emotion. And when you think about music, when I think about music, isn't that what we're looking for? We're looking for that emotion. And as much as I love like getting up and dancing to I'm Still Standing or whatever, it was cool to watch him like really like just let himself just sink into that moment of this concert that he was doing for his young friend who died and who made such an impact in his life. That was awesome. That was really, really just a, and I, I get like goosebumps thinking about it. That was just a really cool moment that I had, that again, I didn't bargain for. I, I had no idea was going to happen. You get to bear witness kind of to it. Right. It, right. It, that's it was even... almost like I was just kind of watching him. He wasn't, he was doing the show for us, but he wasn't really doing the show for us. You could tell yeah, that it was uh -huh. a personal. He was doing that for somebody or something else. And I just happened to be watching it. And and that's a it's a good way to put it. That's how I felt watching that concert. It was really amazing. Well, you've seen a lot of them through the years. I have. I've been pretty lucky, man. But, it, but but it's a passion. And I, I, it, it and is. That, that's why I love doing the podcast. These are just yeah. fun. I mean, they make you feel good. They got do. enough stuff that makes us not feel good. No, that's right. And since you since we've been in contact, and I swear I've been thinking about this, and oh yeah, I met them, and oh yeah, that concert, and you, it reminds you then of other stuff that happened at the concert. You know, sometimes yeah. you want to talk about it, and sometimes you don't. Right. <laughs> to <Yeah>. other people, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay too. That's part of it, right? That's part of it. <laughs> What's the best Broadway musical you've ever seen? Oh, you know this, I Dave. Know, I know the answer. I know it's going to be Hamilton, but let me ask anyway. It's Hamilton. I'm stunned. It's not even close. It's Hamilton, and then it's everything else. Well, you like the one, uh, it, well, I can't think of a name now, the, the Canadian one. Where come the, From Away. Thank you. Yeah, Come From Away, which was a story of um, the planes that landed in Gander, Newfoundland during 9-11, and um, because they had to land all the planes out of the sky, and so it's that story. It's a fantastic musical. But Dave, to, getting back to Hamilton for just a minute, because everything comes back to Hamilton <laughs> with me. Well, now he's got a the relative playing for the twins. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, Jose Miranda. But, um, but no, you talk about a student of music. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a student of music. All of those songs in the entire Hamilton soundtrack are referencing other songs that happened before him. Rap and hip-hop and R&B, they're all, it's all part of it. And, um, and again, if you listen closely, you can say, oh, that's Biggie Small, that's this, that's that. And that's fun. As, as music nerds like I am, I'll... I'll it was fun to hear that soundtrack for the very first time and say, oh, I see what he did with that. That's awesome. I'm going to have to explore this more, but I think uh, like America had some songs. Remember the band America? Oh, yeah. And their, their lyrics, I could never make sense of some of them. Like I've been on the, in the desert with, on a horse, horse with no name. name. And yeah. you know, I'm going through some of the lyrics. I'm going, okay, I, I don't get that. So what does this mean? Does that? And then, of course, I'd read, oh, yeah, on the Internet that, yeah, it was about being on a – on a certain drug and you're, what you're seeing. And oh, then right. America came out and said, no, we just look for stuff that worked and rhymed and yeah. sounded good. It sounded good. And you're going, oh, no, I, <laughs> I had this whole vision with this. Yeah. But that's the beauty of music. You can that's right. decide what you want it to sound Make like. Make it whatever you want it to sound like. And, and, and again, if you want to pay homage to it, like Lin-Manuel Miranda did with Hamilton, that's what he does. He makes no bones about it. Yeah, this was absolutely, I was referencing this. Or that's pretty cool. In this lyric, yeah. So there's so much of that in that soundtrack. I remember my buddy Harold Kane and I sitting on his front steps in uh, the Sir Douglas Quintet. Oh, yeah. Had a song out. And and we were, you know, because uh, I, uh, I we may have been singing the lyrics. I'm not sure how it started, but it said, oh, she's about a mover. He said, she's about a mover? I said, yeah, it's beat about a bumper. 
<laughs> I said, what? No. No, I said, she's not. Been, no, it's beat. We almost got into a fist fight. No, it's beat about a bumper. I'll never forget <laughs> it. it was, you know, no, it isn't. But anyway, that, and that, you know, you, that's a whole different deal. Misinterpreting misinterpreting the lyrics. Lyrics. You know, I know there's books about it, but that legitimately happens. Oh yeah, sometimes, it legitimately you, does, as you know. One other real quick one. I just thought of this one again. Thinking about about ten years ago, I went to a horse track, uh, a summer concert series where they had the Go Go's and the B fifty twos. And again, this was 10 years ago. So this, but they were again right in my college wheelhouse. Was Belinda was, Carlisle with them? Yes. Wow. It was all, it was, it, everybody they, they kind of reconstituted and then they came back together. That was another fantastic concert. But when I walked into that concert, I'm looking around and I'm like, why are all these old people here? <laughs> and honestly, that was my <laughs> actual question in my head until I was like, wait a minute, yeah. they're all my age. That's right. But, but, but they all look <laughs> older than me. Yeah, yeah, but I swear that that actually went through my mind, and uh, but that was a really fun that was a really fun concert too. I, I had not seen either one of them when they were in their heyday, but to see them later was uh, was really fun. We went to Earth, Wind, and Fire last oh, week, and love uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And that's I had that same thing. I said, I said to my wife, "Look at the crowd. This is like an older crowd." And I said, Wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they were so good. Three of the original members still. Including yeah. Philip Bailey. Philip Bailey is there. Yeah, it was. They were so good. I I couldn't get over that. How, uh, I mean, how they sounded. It, it was really a fun night. Never seen them. L- would love to. One of my favorite songs is September. Oh Fire yeah, Earth, Wind, and well, Fire. It's one of my favorites of all. Yeah, time. there's nobody sitting down when they when yeah. they got into into that song. Yeah, but it that that's well worth your time. Yeah. Uh, Brianna, how are we doing on time? Are we okay? Or are we pretty We're much done way here? over? No, there's no, su- no such thing yeah. as way over, but I think we've given the people a, a good chunk of some content. Yeah. Well, Steve, uh, Steve and I've talked about music before. I just really appreciate you coming over and, and, and being on the uh, podcast. It's, I just en- enjoyed the stories we're getting from other people. Uh, and, uh, if there's someone al- along the line, you want to share your story with us, then maybe we'll have you on as a guest. I don't know, but it's, co- it's a commonality to, to pretty much everybody. Absolutely it is. And that's why I was I was thrilled to be invited. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I know you have more stories, so there's a chance we're going to do okay. this again. <laughs> uh, we might get some partners in crime to join us that uh, have some stories Great. as well. But, uh, Steve, thanks so much for being on the show. The Talk North Podcast Network is where we're at. You can download these uh, podcasts wherever you get yours, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify or any sort of that thing. You can do that as well. Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone, has brought it to you. Brianne, a lot of fun again today. Certainly was. I'll see you on the next one. Done deal. We look forward to that. This is called My First Concert. Dave Lee here. Talk to you next time. 